Hi, it's me again, Kaisen, joined by my co-host Cheryl, and today we have a very special guest, Antia Ong. So welcome to the Handful of Leaves podcast, where we bring you practical Buddhist wisdom for a happier life. So today we are going to talk about a really special topic on vulnerability, and we can't think of anyone better than Antia Ong because she has quite a huge track record. At first, she would introduce herself as a full-time human and part-time everything else, which is uh, very humble. And I think this entire conversation is going to help us unveil what the human behind Anthea Ong is. Because a long track record involves like, oh, nominated member of parliament, social entrepreneur, impact investor. She's the founder and co-founder of many different companies. Uh, and one of the really special one, it's called Hash Bar, where she provides space an opportunity for people who are deaf in order to make a living and a very special concept around how people who are deaf can help to lead silent tea appreciation and tasting. And there are also people who have lived through mental health issues, perfect for today's topic on vulnerability. So uh, Antia, thank you so much for coming on this show. And, thank you, Kaising. Yeah, and being open to share. Um, I think both Cheryl and myself, when we look at your track record, just like, wow, you're so successful. <laughs> but before we hit record, you were sharing a little bit about the challenges that you've been through. I think you can share more with our listeners. It's so important for us to talk about vulnerability and mm. to also destigmatize it, especially mm. in the Asian context, you know. So really looking forward to this conversation. You know, thank you for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to this chat. Let's just see how it flows. Amazing. So just to kick things off, vulnerability is a very big word. Everyone will have different interpretations and different definitions of it. Uh, can you share with us what does the word vulnerability mean to you and how has mm. it evolved? I think what comes up for me um, immediately uh, would be that vulnerability actually means love right? Love is not romantic love only, right? It's love that comes from within yourself. Therefore, you're willing to be vulnerable to the other because clearly um, there is a piece of yourself that you're putting forward. Uh, and, and usually it's when there is love that you're willing to do that. You are also willing to do that when the other person has uh, in some way demonstrated or earned even um, trust and therefore there's love there for you to feel safe enough. Kaising started um, this conversation talking about, you know, a topic that needs to be destigmatized. And it's true, right? We think of vulnerability as a, a lot of things, but one that we clearly associate vulnerability with is pain and suffering. And, and I think it's true that if you don't have vulnerability or you don't want to show vulnerability, either we are avoiding or not talking about pain or not wanting to bring ourselves forward, uh, the pain we have. But I'm pretty sure that that would mean we also get a lot less love. Uh, and so for me, vulnerability, I think it's very intertwined with, with the concept of love. I want to emphasize again and repeat uh, myself that when I talk about love here, I'm talking about love in the, the broadest concept, right? It could be compassion. It is kindness. It is empathy. Um, it is not just um, romantic love or the kind of love that we feel for family members. Um, I think um, Sigmund Freud was the one who said something like, we are never so vulnerable as when we love. I think vulnerability also calls up the emotion and the experience of relief for me. If you are a leader, 
then vulnerability is um, in some ways been so associated with weakness. Um, and on the positive side, um, it means that if you're not vulnerable, you're strong, you're resilient, you're stoic, um, you have it all together. And the reason why I say relief is that when I went through, um, you know, my colossal collapse of a broken heart, a broken marriage, a broken business, a broken bank account, 17 years ago now, um, along with a lot of pain and suffering, uh, because I was vulnerable, a lot of people come forward to show love for me. I have to also say that I felt a deep sense of relief that now I don't have to be seen as this person that is never going to be um, in a challenging situation or has all the answers. Um, so yeah, I think two big words, love and relief, based on my own experience. Thanks so much for sharing. And I think it's almost as though vulnerability is the ability to love yourself enough to let love come to you. When you were sharing on that sense of relief that you were experiencing as you allow people to come um, shower love and you don't have to feel so alone, I was thinking probably the opposite of vulnerability is a sense of shame. And that's oh, why yeah. when you're feeling that shame, you're holding everything in and then you're burying mm -hmm. yourself under all of that. Mm -hmm. And the moment when you're able to let that go and just show the whole, I'm imperfect, that's it. That, you know, then uh, you get a sense yeah. of relief. <laughs> it's relief, it's liberating, um, it's freeing. But most of all, I was very human. I think for the first time in a long time, because of the way my life trajectory was going up to that point of my colossal collapse, it would be seen as almost picture perfect, mm. right? It followed a very conventional trajectory of what success looked like. But of course, through that seemingly successful trajectory uh, that was such a Midas touch at every point of my life, there were lots and lots of um, vulnerabilities just that I'd never showed them, right? Because I never felt safe. I never felt like I should because I had a completely different notion of what being human was about. And so along the way, you held imposter syndrome, particularly as a woman leader in the 90s. Um, you also held shame when you, you know, did not do something well. But all of this are just kind of swept under the carpet and that made you then put on a veneer right mm -hmm. because there's a public identity that we have to uphold and and that really doesn't allow us to be human and and so we go around uh living life um feeling rather unsafe almost as if we are constantly towing um, because if we don't want to be vulnerable, we're tiptoeing all the time. It can't be good for anyone's mental well-being or mental health. But to your point about the, um, the opposite of vulnerability, it's likely shame. I think absolutely. And actually, one of the, the world's most well-known uh, vulnerability experts, uh, who would also call herself the shame expert, uh, is Brene Brown. When I went to the deep, dark place 17 years ago, what actually... Uh, propelled me on this really dangerous, very scary downward slippery slope into that deep, deep, dark place. I was shame, right? I actually hid it from family, um, you know, in terms of what was going on with my uh, marriage and uh, all mm -hmm. of that uh, for a good, you know, year. And that whole year was when, you know, things just 
I think just progressively went um, down the slippery slope. And I think it's because of shame that I could not allow myself to be vulnerable, to share, even mm -hmm. to my nearest and dearest. Um, well, we're kind of living in a society where blaming and shaming um, the cancel culture and all of that, uh, it's so unsafe to be vulnerable, but yet if we're not vulnerable, then how can we ever really build real connections? How can we truly um, be human and, and, and to truly love and receive love, you know? Um, and therefore, how can we be well, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Yeah, I think the biggest irony that everyone, or at least, we humans face is that our deepest desire is almost to be seen, to connect deeply with another person. But at the same time, we are so afraid to be vulnerable, to do the exact thing that gives us um, that sense of well-being and connection. You just said about this paradox, right? Um, we are biologically, emotionally um, built to want to connect. Um, but yet in the way we live, especially when we lived intellectually, right, uh, and mm. allowing ourselves also um, um, to just go along, you know, in a sort of autopilot mode without that sense of awareness of who we are, what's around us, we then hold back, right, our vulnerability and our humanness. And therefore that actually doesn't let us um, connect. And so we are constantly mm. in this tension all the time. Um, and you can understand why there is suffering. There will be suffering until we actually find a way to um, see this um, paradox. Mm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And the word that came out is authentic. Like what Cheryl has mentioned, you know, don't necessarily have to feel the pressure to be perfect all the time, or we, we don't have to figure out everything in life and sometimes that's okay you know we are all work in progress mm. I, I do have this thought about the balance because I think a lot of people might associate vulnerability to sharing your fears your deepest mm. darkest anxiety the thoughts etc but how much is too much and <laughs> what is considered a safe context and space in order to share that uh, the reason why I ask is also because I have my own fair share of going through all this difficult emotions and sometimes it's quite tempting to indulge in them mm, which mm. is not healthy so maybe you can share some experience in terms of how you draw the line yeah no it's a, it's a great question but I would say that in terms of my own experience being vulnerable is not without boundaries that's not being vulnerable mm. right um that's just being foolish in fact I've just had an experience with a teammate um who was going through a challenging time and because there was no boundaries and, and, and self-restraint, it can become self-centered because you're downloading on someone else all of what you're feeling mm -hmm. without the compassion for the other, right? That actually it's too much for the other person, mm -hmm. especially when the other person in this case is actually going through so much as well himself, right? Uh, and yet because he was kind and he wanted to be you know, a listening year. And he then let this completely unrestrained, unfiltered um, download happen. And when I um, heard about it and I had to step in, I shared very, um, very gently mm. that, um, you know, when we are being vulnerable, we also have to be kind 
And, you know, being kind is not just saying, hey, I want to be self-compassionate. Uh, and therefore, I'm going to just not stop myself from sharing, you know, what I'm going through mm-hmm. and, and, and all of that. Um, and I think using your words, I just let myself indulge, embrace these emotions. But what are you doing with those emotions? Is that um, way of saying you're being vulnerable, um, embracing these emotions, you are actually just projecting and transferring all of that to mm-hmm. another person? And so outwardly, it might seem like, oh, this person is being very vulnerable and sharing all that he's going through. Um, But if you look at the content of the sharing, um, there's actually a lot of uh, shadows projection, his own challenges that he uh, is not able to deal with. um, And that's giving him a lot of suffering that he's then transferring to this other person and actually even making this other person feel um, terrible about himself you know, in addition to having to be there to hold the space for the first person. So Mm. I I don't think it's vulnerability if there's no boundaries. I don't think it's vulnerability if you are not um, continuing to be kind to others and the people Mm. around you. I also don't think it's very kind to yourself if your vulnerability means you're just beating yourself up Mm. in your own um, um, self-narrative. I don't think that's vulnerability. I think that's why for me, vulnerability um, has to come from a place of love. Otherwise, it's actually emotional vomiting as well. Like Mm. complaining. Yeah, and you're complaining, you're whining. um, You are also uh, self-victimizing. You're getting yourself into a victimized mode um, to allow yourself to not be confronting uh, what you really need to confront with yourself too. It's not to say that you can't feel bad, um, you know, about what you're going through. But I think is, are you ready? Because I think vulnerability is the greatest measure of change. Brene Brown said this about it being the truest gauge of um, courage. Mm. Uh, and so it's the greatest measure of courage and change. Uh, and that actually... You know, being vulnerable is such an opportunity to, um, you know, to come so close to yourself. And I speak from experience. Um, If I was not broken into a million pieces 17 years ago, I don't think I would have um, confronted and uh, given myself the biggest act of kindness Mm. of actually connecting with myself, right? My Mm. truest self um, and my true nature. And and I think the million pieces I thought was me broken became a million pieces, uh, a million seeds, I think, of love that I could now spread. That's powerful. It almost feels like what you're saying is to allow your emotions to come up, to face them, but it's also not to indulge them. I mean, in Buddhism, we have the vulnerable truths, right? So it doesn't just stop at, okay, there's suffering and then keep saying, oh, you know, life is terrible. uh, It's unfair, etc. But what is beyond that? And I think the first step, of course, it's not to push away just because the feelings are unpleasant, but to allow yourself to say, hey, this is difficult. Uh, it's yeah. a little bit shitty, etc. Yeah, but also and you, gotta see, you have to see what is, you got to feel what it is. Uh, and that's certainly a big part of the Buddhist um, practice as well. Um, what is the point of this awareness if you don't go to the next step? 
mm. of knowing why this exists, right? It's for you to then put in the effort to uh, move yourself along the path. Uh, and actually in doing so, you are able to then, um, you know, see what the pain was for. It wasn't mm. for us to indulge and self-victimize. That was not the purpose of the pain. The pain was for you mm. to see this is always going to be part of what life is, right? Um, I mean, we cannot learn about life and this human experience if we don't feel life. But then when you feel what life is, what do you do about it, right? I think this is the part of becoming a better human. Uh, mm. and, I, and I believe this is also part of the, the, the dharma. Definitely. Mm. It's like a purposeful use of pain or like mm. vulnerability with purpose. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, it can yeah just spiral into complaint. Uh, I actually was thinking also about personality. So for me, I'm quite the opposite. Instead of sharing everything in the open to say that, hey, you know, these are some of the fears, these are what's bothering me uh, because there needs to be boundaries, right? So at the back of my head, I would think that I should be kind and compassionate to my friends. They are already dealing with a lot of their own struggles. So I shouldn't burden them with my own challenges and problems. So I would suck it in and try to solve them myself. But that's also not very possible because I need to lean on somebody when my capacity is, you know, limited. Yeah. Do you have advice as to how people of my personality or character can be vulnerable with purpose? Mm, mm. No, actually, uh, my goddaughter, um, she's 27 and a beautiful, beautiful human uh, being. Um, and exactly that's what she said. And she was sharing a little bit of the challenges she was going through and how she was feeling. And then um, she said, yeah, you know, but it's fine. It's fine. You know, compared to so many people, you know, I'm in a so much better position and situation. And I certainly don't want to, you know, download and make them feel even more challenged because I have to share my issues with them. Right. So this is what I would say. I've got so many resources, right. I'm actually in a very privileged position. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that there shouldn't really be a need for me to either transfer, download, or share this with people around me uh, when mm. they are seemingly in a more challenging set of circumstances. Actually, suffering for the person who's experiencing it is absolute, right? Mm. It's not relative. It's only relative when we bring in all of this social conditioning, we bring in all of this intellectual abstraction of it all, that mm. then we start to have a comparison and relativity mm. to it to say that I don't think I should be sharing because I don't want to burden them, uh, especially if they are also going through challenges themselves. But then we all know that everyone has a story. Everyone is struggling, mm. right? Uh, and so I think first and foremost for me, um, the suffering of the person experiencing it is absolute to the person. And anyone who is going through suffering, you know, deserves compassion, including from ourselves, mm. right? Um, and secondly, I don't think we are allowing ourselves to explore the richness and the depth of our relationships with people around us if we hold back our troubles from them because then they only know you at a certain level. Mm. They never know all of you. And even if you come from a place of kindness or your personality type where you try to keep this to yourself and try to work things through on your own, I think the other way to reframe it and to look at it is, hey, 
do these people mean enough for me to want them to mm. know more of who I am? The layers, the texture, the richness of who I am, which comes from my own experiences, right? We do think that they mean enough to us that we want to let them in so they know all of us in all our richness uh, mm. as a human. The other question to ask would also be, um, have I given them opportunities to show and demonstrate their love for me? Mm. Because if I'm constantly being okay, uh, and this is what was said to me, Kai saying, uh, when I was going through the colossal collapse, um, a couple of my friends actually came out to me to say, oh, now I can finally come forward and said, hey, this is where I can support you. This is how I can help mm. you. Because mm. you were always able to solve every problem of mm. yours and on top of that, everyone else's problems as well, right? So, so there's just no, no way in to, yeah. to you so that I feel I have contributed to having supported you, to being part of your life in a most authentic, um, vulnerable, very beautiful, very human way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so th I think that'll be the two parts to look at it, actually. Mm -hmm. I hope that was helpful, but that was what happened with me. Um, and then, you know, side trivia, I remember there was uh, someone without meaning to, I'm sure she didn't. Uh, after I shared my story of what happened, and she said something like, but Anthea, of course you're going to always be able to come out of it. I'm sure mm -hmm. it was painful, but I'm sure you're going to come out of it. I mean, look at you. You were a CEO before the collapse. Your family is very supportive and all of that. I had to turn around and gently said to her, I said, I, I thank you for having such an amazing impression of me, even though she didn't truly know me, but just mm. because of my CV, maybe. I said, but can I just share with you that I didn't feel that way. I actually did not think I was going to come out of it. Mm. Right? Because mm. the suffering at that point in time for me was excruciating and was absolute. Mm. But I must yeah. say it was because I was willing to allow myself to be human. That's one part. Um, and then because of that, coming out and reaching out for help mm. that actually allowed me to start to climb out of that deep dark hole initially I felt a bit affronted I'm like huh what do you mean like <laughs> I, I shouldn't be allowed to feel terrible because of my background mm. <laughs> or you have to quicken the process and come out fast <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, yeah but your pain surely cannot be so da -da 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 because I mean look at you yeah. what you were before yeah yeah I think we sometimes forget that. Lah. We think that just because you are a CEO and you don't have a dysfunctional family, then whatever life mm. gets you, um, you can just sort of shield it off. That's not what the human experience is. Yeah. Even spiritual yeah. practitioners, like, yeah, you meditate, you can learn, you know. I see, like, I see, you, feel, you feel bad, <laughs> but I thought you meditate. <laughs> And gosh. Oh, it has happened to me when I do some posting and I talked about, oh, feeling a bit spent, you know, um, very challenged by this and all of that. People would be also wondering, wow, if you do this, you meditate um, so much, you know, every day for the last, you know, 16, 17 years and you still can't, you know, feel at ease. Um, then the rest of us have no chance. And, and <laughs> I can always turn around and say that, imagine where I would be if I 
haven't meditated. Mm. Right? It's not <laughs> as if I'm meditating to get some sort of, you know, result yeah. from it. Uh, not at all, right? I mean, that's not what it is. Every time I meditate, it's that moment's experience. Rather than thinking mm-hmm. I'm meditating so that I will, I will not. It's not a means to an end. It's an end in itself for me. But when I was asked that question, I then said, imagine what could have happened um, mm. to me. The same thing with, oh, you're a vegan. How come you can get sick? I'm like, huh? Imagine if I wasn't taking care of my health and, you know, so I think, yeah, Mm. some of these are just very normal because of the social conditioning and certain intellectual ideas we have. I just love the discussion that, you know, we were all having just now. It's like peeling the layers of the onion. Um, At first we come with, okay, vulnerability is this, vulnerability is that. Now I realize vulnerability is so many things. Firstly, it's, you know, it's about understanding that vulnerability is, inclusion as well as exclusion. You're setting the boundaries in terms of what to share, what to not share, who to share with um, as well. And then secondly, vulnerability is not throwing the responsibility to others, but you owning it, um, but at the same time also allowing yourself to feel the shit that you're feeling. And the last thing is that vulnerability, we often forget, could also be a gift to other people to love us and to let us lean on them as well. Just to move the conversation forward as well, I'm just curious, um, how can we help people to feel comfortable in sharing their vulnerable side? Yeah, um, I I think um, it's a great question. And actually, this is uh, a big part of the work that I also do um, with Hush, T-Bar, but also with Well Leaders. How do you create that space, right? To help people feel comfortable in sharing their vulnerable side, there has to be a safe space. And what do I mean? I mean, a lot of people talk about safe spaces. Actually, the most important um, descriptor of a safe space is trust. So first, it has to be earned. So mm-hmm. that space is not automatic. Uh, it has to be earned. And it doesn't mean that it's only with friends you have known for a very long time. And when I say earn, I mean that if we truly want to hold a space of trust for another to share, then I think it's really important for us to not expect them to be vulnerable with us if we are ourselves not vulnerable, right? Mm. So I feel like to create and to earn that trust, it's so important for us to disarm ourselves first, right? Mm. Um, So that another person, you know, as you talked about, Cheryl, how do we help people feel more comfortable? How do we go to all the communities, all the spaces we're in, all the relationships we have? What do we do to help People around us feel comfortable to share their vulnerability. It's not about what we can give to them, but it's how do you show up? Do you show up armed? Because if you show up armed emotionally, mm-hmm. then it's very difficult. You have not earned the trust um, of the other to, to be vulnerable. And this is especially important for leaders, mm-hmm. right? Which is the work at well leaders it is to bring together CEOs um, of largest employers in Singapore together um, to look at how do we become more human-centered leaders, right? Um, And to do that, especially when it comes to um, championing mental well-being at the workplace, Mm -hmm. you have to walk the talk first as a leader. You cannot just say, hey, yala, no la, just talk, ah, tell me what's going on, right? You have not created a, a space of safety and trust because you haven't even put yourself forward yet. You haven't given mm. a piece of yourself in this space yet. 
the moment that a leader can be vulnerable to say that, you know, I just went through a really difficult challenge, you know, I needed help and all of that, even just something like that would already change the energy and the kind of narrative within the workplace or the team. I don't have to feel ashamed that I'm feeling so down because my grandma just passed on, right? Because mm-hmm. a CEO just talked about how he lost his loved one and he's also struggled. I think that's, a, that's really important. I mean, Gandhi said this, right? We have to be the change we want to see in the world. We can't just go and tell people, hey, be vulnerable, lah. you know, come not tell me. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not going to work. What are you bringing, right, um, to the space? And so I think this is really important. Um, we have to earn that trust so they can be vulnerable. That, that goes to the same thing, right? Don't just share with everyone. There's also a need to say, is this a safe space for me to be vulnerable too? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and we often say that it's not vulnerability if, if you don't um, have boundaries. Lah. And those boundaries, mm-hmm. um, very often is along the values of trust and respect, right? And empathy and compassion. And if you feel that, then I think you're more likely to feel um, comfortable with being vulnerable to your question. Hmm. But also at the same time, I feel that it can be quite challenging to be vulnerable in the corporate setting because you don't know what this information that you're divulging um, might be perceived. And in turn, that may affect your opportunities to shine and get a promotion and, and things like that. So it's a very, very tricky situation. Tricky it is, balance it is. And, and the reason I initiated Well Leaders um, back in May 2018 is that it then has to come from the top, right? Unless mm-hmm. you have a cultural shift, right? Unless it's a workplace culture that from the very top is encouraging, um, you know, this kind of conversations to be had. Uh, and because it's actually directly going to be affecting business outcomes and business performance, um, mm. is directly going to affect the employee's mental health if we don't have this kind of conversation, if we don't have this kind of culture that we build that's inclusive, that is um, creating psychological safety. At some point, the entire world economy is going to hit the ground, right? Because, mm. yeah, I mean, even with the whole AI thing, we're not going to be able to survive because... You know, the culture has become so toxic that Mm. you are just constantly just dealing with all of this. I don't want to say what I want to say. And then therefore, there's no creativity or innovation and no new ideas. Uh, You feel like if you say this, you don't get promoted. uh, Then that's silly because then you might leave and then the company is actually losing good talent. So all around, it's just not a very smart thing to do that we continue Mm. to sweep these uh, conversations under the carpet of saying that, you know, in the corporate world, this is really not the place. But it's not easy for employees to just say, hey, I want to talk about this, right? It mm. needs to come to the top to say that this is the safe place and then it has to be demonstrated. They must walk the talk. There must be, it must go all the way down to team managers to say that, hey, you know, you must, intentionally create spaces for this kind of conversations. You know, make sure you talk with um, your team members and ask, how are they doing? Hey, I understand you just lost a family member. How are you doing, right? Is there anything I can support with? So it's, it's got to be, it's very hard from the ground up to change the culture. Mm. When you don't have the power, 
of course, you're always going to not risk it, right? At the same time, I must say though, Cheryl, that it's important to also bring um, the awareness into your workplace, right? And so um, the practice of uh, mindfulness is helpful to let you know that, you know, I am aware that this person I can share with, this team manager I can share with, to be looking at contacts, people, and not just say, oh, as long as it's the workplace, I'm not sharing anything. It's mm-hmm. also not going to be helpful because then you're not also living um, intentionally, right? It needs to be a cultural change. Um, it's also why with Hash Tea Bar, when we bring the experience into workplaces, because we, we are a mobile tea bar, uh, the idea is that then we will create that space amongst all of the colleagues, including their bosses and their managers, come together to go through a silent experience get them to learn how to sign emotions, right? So mm. that to acknowledge emotions have a place uh, and emotions include negative emotions that we get them to sign. And then they have to go back and sign with each other. Uh, and then they go through the silent uh, experience and then they actually share, going back to what Kaisin said, then there's the authentic conversations that you have as humans and not just as colleagues. You know what I mean? After it's such mm. a profound experience um but yeah the workplace is always going to be a bit more challenging for sure and thanks for giving us hope um that as long as we still look for the people who we can feel safe we still can embody that um side of vulnerability and i think little seeds that we plant can hopefully you know create a ripple of change yes absolutely also rest in the hope that um there's a lot of effort to try to make this change happen at workplaces from the top. Uh, well Leaders is not the only one, but because we are targeting the CEOs at the very, very top, mm-hmm. but there are also many efforts trying to look into how HR policies can change, how team um, management practices, you know, should embrace uh, diversity and inclusion and, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, and you're right, Cheryl, it's just different seeds that we plant with what we have where we can, um, yeah, never lose hope. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps beyond just getting the, the leaders to set the tone, employees also have control in terms of asking their bosses how they are and making the effort to see their bosses beyond just performance and how they show up at work. Um, one specific incident which touched me very much, uh, one of my colleagues, you know, usually we do quarterly reviews and I would ask, what else can I do to support you? Uh, in both your personal life as well as at work. And then we wind off the conversation. And then the colleague asks, boss, you always ask how you can support us. But how can we support you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even as I'm like saying this right now, I feel like, oh, so teary. Like finally people actually do Mm. see the human side and they care. It's kind of linking back to how we started a conversation Mm. about Mm. um, being vulnerable Uh, sharing openly with love, I think it goes both ways. So Mm. if the employee can also disarm uh, themselves a little bit, but of course with boundaries and lean in with curiosity, then the connection can happen. That is so beautifully said. Mm. And actually I've had those experiences too, right? Many a time. And I join you in being teary eye when this happens. Um, But it also speaks volume of how often we also think of our leaders and our bosses as superhumans, but actually they are, they're just humans like all of us. Uh, And Mm. especially through COVID, 
you know, everyone goes to them, right? The workers go to them to ask them how to deal with all of these challenges, the suppliers, the clients. And so, um, in fact, uh, studies are showing that um, there's a significant level of burnout um, mm. at the leaders level. And so I think if we are always anchoring ourselves in love and compassion, mm. um, then it's never about how change should be made for me, but I should be part of that change as well, right? Um, mm. And if all of us um, think about it that way, then um, there's no reason we shouldn't show up with compassion for people who traditionally we think they will always be fine. I mean, like the story I said about earlier, right? I think all we're saying is bring our humanness to every mm. relationship, every space that we are in because at work, it's actually a collective of humans coming together, right? Mm -hmm. So that shouldn't be any different to any community that we're in. Uh, and if we can change the way we see workplaces where most of us spend most of our waking hours um, it's going to have such a direct impact on who we are in our family and community lives as well. So true. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing, Kai Sing, and thanks, thanks Cynthia, for, for chiming in. Really helped me change my perspective as well. Um, because I guess I always feel intimidated if they are the senior director or senior VP or whoever. I forget to see the humanness behind their titles yes. <laughs> and their, their roles and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So we've chatted a lot. I wish we could go on. <laughs> but if we were to wrap up this episode and chat, I have a question for you because you have uh, two books, actually. One is Fifty Shades of Love and another <laughs> one... It's the Nominated Member of Parliament Scheme. Right. Are uh, unelected voices still necessary in Parliament? Yes, so that book. And if you were to write a new book, hypothetically on vulnerability, what would the title of the book be? It's a good question. Um, I, I sort of feel though, I think in Cheryl, that Fifty Shades of Love, you know, is so much about my vulnerability because I shared um, so much of when I was the most sort of challenged in so many of the, the, um, the shades, right? The chapters. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a great question. So if you indulge me, I think one would be lost and found. Um, I was certainly in some way lost in the social conditioning of that trajectory I talked about. But also I was suddenly very lost when I was um, dealing with the collapse in the first instance, right? I felt lost because who am I now if I'm not a CEO, I'm not a wife. And interestingly, my vulnerabilities across um, the decades of my life, especially the last colossal collapse, uh, has allowed mm. me to find my why, um, you know, who I'm not and who I am or what I am even, not even just who, right? It's not about the public identity anymore, but just allowing me to go back to um, that I am a human being, right? Above everything else. Uh, so that's one that just came up. I have always been very taken. I don't know whether you both know about um, the Japanese art of uh Kinzuki. Kinzuki. Mm. Yeah, so Kinzuki, and I actually have a cup um, behind, which is a hushed Ooh. cup that was broken. And then it, it's a patch, obviously, with the golden thread, right? And the golden paint. And so that image has always been 
one that I associated a lot of what I went through. And, and now I feel like um, my, my heart is definitely scarred, um, but mm. now it's enriched uh, because of the scarring, which is vulnerability, uh, with so much more light and awareness, right? Uh, and love. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that will probably I don't know I don't know what I would call it like maybe my Kinzuki journey or something oh, my nice. Kinzuki life. Uh, the last one I like to bring up because I know your project is called a handful of leaves. Mm-hmm. What just came up to me is we talked about vulnerability as being so important um, in that connection that we long for as human beings. So maybe, maybe it could be saying that I'm giving a hand of connection. I talked about my vulnerabilities. And that I think can only come in the truest way and the most authentic way if we are actually able to sort of feel safe, included, belong enough to want to um, share our vulnerabilities and then therefore get the connections that come with it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful way to wrap up the episode. So we have uh, three book titles in the making. Yes. And thank you so much, uh, Anthea, for this uh, chat. Learned so much from you. So I think at the end of the day, it's really about being true to oneself, uh, having love, and it goes both ways. And to all our listeners, hopefully you can take this all in and learn to be a little bit stronger by showing your vulnerability. Until we meet again, the next episode, may you stay happy and wise. Thank you so much, Anthea. Thank you.